Good afternoon, everyone. Hope all is well with everyone. It is the season of fall. Um, summer is over. I know we didn't seem like we had a summer, but we did. Um, I am Daryl Lawson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Blurp, and this is the Blurp Presents Founder Story Interview Series, where I interview different Black entrepreneurs, small business owners, um, culture curators, and just dope Black professionals making it happen in the world. And today, I have the pleasure to interview the people's champ, in my opinion, soon-to-be best-selling author. Um, she has an excellent podcast out that has over 100,000 downloads, and she's just an amazing individual, and um, you have to meet her in person. And um, now I'd like to bring Terry Lomax. Welcome. What's up? What's up, Daryl? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Likewise. I'm glad you was able to make time out to connect with us and connect with me, and we can learn a little bit more about your journey. All right, so we're going to get started. Um, so for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yes, yes. So by day, I am a podcaster, speaker, and brand strategist, and I basically empower people to leverage social media and personal branding to grow their audience, mm -hmm. impact, and those bank accounts. That's so that's up. what I do. Um, I'm also an author. I work full-time in tech as well. So I have many hats, but that's like my core uh, business right there is the podcasting and speaking. Wow, man. Seems like you don't sleep or you just got some really excellent time management skills. You need to teach us folks out here how to manage it, man. That, that's a way to get at it. And that's a way to get the day going and make life count every day. That's what's up. So um, I know you're from the East Coast. You're from the Philly area, Chester, Pennsylvania, to be exact. And I don't know too many folks from the tri-state area, New York, Jersey, Connecticut, and Philly trying to come out to San Francisco unless there's a purpose behind it. So what made you want to get into the tech industry and take the leap to move to Silicon Valley? You know what's funny? So so I'm from Philly. My husband's from D.C., right? And mm -hmm. so right after we got married, he got a job out here. Oh, okay. And so I was raised in San Diego for some time in my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, move to San Francisco. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So we moved out here. I didn't have a job. I was like working. Um, I had... I had like a, a virtual job, I guess you could right. say, but I didn't have anything full time. So we moved out here. And when you move to Silicon Valley, it's kind of hard not to get the bug, right? It's kind of yeah. hard not to get mm -hmm. into the industry. Well, it is hard, actually. It was very challenging for me, yeah. but it's hard not to want to, right? right, right and so right. I ended up, you know, I had a friend help me with my resume. We kind of tweaked my transferable skills mm. and I ended up applying. I got rejected so much, Daryl. I mean, oh. people were just like, no, no, because you know how it is in this area having connections is key. Like mm. your network yes. really determines your net worth. Indeed. That is the truth. And so after rejection after rejection, um, I finally did get employment and I just kind of worked my way in and up and um, yeah, just kind of made a way. And so I didn't plan on getting into tech until I got here. And I was like, wait, Facebook is here. Right. Wait, this company's here. Mm -hmm. Google's over here. Okay. Yeah. Let me see if I can get in there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, that's what's up, man. And yes, no is our middle names out here, especially when you first come out here, because nobody's going to give you anything here. You got to earn it. This mm -hmm. is the big leagues of technology, just like you have your professional sports and your entertainers out there. This is the big leagues for that. And as one of my um, close friends says, when you come to Silicon Valley, you got to have a plan and you got to have a hustle behind that plan. So no, that's what's up. And you know, I'm glad you're here. Silicon Valley needs your, your presence and your grace. So that's what's up. So you mentioned about your podcast called the Her Space Podcast. So, you know, tell the listeners what the podcast is about, um, what type of subjects, topics, and um, things that you hope to get folks to make connections and kind of improve themselves about. 
Yeah. So the Herspace podcast, my co-host and I, we started that about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And we basically just kind of met randomly at a conference I was speaking at. And we clicked and we were like, you know what? Let's meet up and like get to know one another more. And so we ended up going to dinner one night and we were both just like, you know what? We want to do something for Black women. Mm. And I'm more technical. My my co-host is a psychologist right, right. and so and a professor. And so we were just like, well, let's start a podcast. And so we literally had no idea what we were doing, sure. Daryl. We just came together, yep. started this podcast. And basically our mission is to uplift Black women. So uplifting conversations for Black women is what we do. We talk about everything from fibroids to fake friends. Mm. We've had so many amazing guests on. And honestly, the cool thing is, Daryl, our podcast has grown organically over the past year and a half. And we're about nice. to hit 1 million downloads Ooh. in like a couple months. I know it's crazy. 1 million downloads. And I mean, we've been featured in Forbes, Black Enterprise, Hello Beautiful. And it blows me away because we wow. did not know what we were doing. Like we were literally just like, let me get a mic. Let me get some headphones. We're just gonna figure it out. And then it just kind of blew up. So it's pretty cool to, to have that impact. Now that's fantastic, man. That is an American dream example right there. And um, you know, you came out here, you didn't know anything about the formal, the formalities or the technicalities of doing a podcast. You kind of just rolled up your sleeves as a roll with the punches, kind of like what I'm doing with this video interview series. And we'll figure it out as we go. And you continue to build momentum despite the tough days. I'm sure you and your um, co-founder had with the podcast. So with that being said, I want to build upon that question. So um, what were some of the hard, early hardships you had to deal with with um, structuring your podcast? Was it booking guests? Was it getting ads? Was it getting sponsors? Because everybody is it's a great time to do a podcast now, but folks need to understand some of the realities behind it. Yeah, you know what? I would say some of the struggles that we had were probably probably just finding our voice. And like, you know, when you're first starting as a creative, many creatives, you, if you're listening, you probably know this, that yeah. oftentimes the journey is lonely. OK, mm. you'll put out content, you'll pour your heart out, you know, your heart out into something and you oftentimes don't get that immediate feedback. And so for us, it was just like, are we doing this right? Mm -hmm. Like, is, is this, is this, you know, do we have the right flow? Are we like interrupting each other? Like, does it sound okay? And so I think for us, we really had to embrace failure and it's all about failing forward. And so if you listen to some of our episodes in the beginning, I think our first episode, like you can hear my audio in one ear and not the other. I mean, it, it's just ghetto. It's just sure. a hot vest. Okay. Yeah, sure. But, but most journeys are like that, right? Every mm -hmm. journey begins with a single step. So I think for us, the biggest thing was showing up consistently yep. so daryl in the midst of like 2019 i know 2020 is like what the hell 2020, 2020 kind of sucks yeah. i ain't gonna lie okay but in 2019 for me was like one of the worst years i mean it was one of the most challenging years um you know my husband and i were trying to get pregnant i had a miscarriage i lost mm -hmm. my grandmother a month later um and it was just so i had so many family issues going on mm -hmm. and despite that in addition to you know, working full time and being a wife and having the podcast, we posted episodes every single Friday, like wow. clockwork. We have not missed a Friday yet. And this wow. is the most consistent I've ever been with like anything. Sure, and the sure. reason I think we were able to do that is because when we were a team, we were committed to our mission and there was a why bigger than us, but we also put things in place so that I could take off time when I needed. So we bulk recorded, right? We made it easier for ourselves. And I think the growth that we had is really, is it really speaks to the consistency that we had, right? Mm -hmm. We showed up for our audience and they knew when to expect us. And so I think that was key. Man, wow, what, 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 a, what a way to persevere, man, and not to give up, man. You know, a lot of us, when we go through our own personal storms, 
you know, we tend we tend to want to bow out, tend to want to, you know, find the crutch. What's the excuse? You know, you just continue to took that workman like approach to keep it moving and to make it work. And, you know, that's that's, you know, hats off to your character and your heart and your hustle and your drive. And as I tell you, that Philly toughness, you know, that's a <laughs> the Super Bowl champ, Philly Eagles. And I'm coming hey. this is coming from a New York Giants fan. Right. You know, so. Okay. Yeah, you know, so that, that Philly toughness, that grit, man. I, I love hearing that you kept going through the midst of all the struggles where you had every reason to bow out and, and just stop and just kind of, you know, take it easy the rest of your life, but you didn't. But mm -hmm. nah, we, I'm glad you continue to make it work. So I see also, you know, you're a lady of many different hustles. You know, throughout your book, I learned about the different various revenue streams you've created to try to, you know, create your financial independence, you know, build your lifestyle around the type of things you like to do. So how did you go about selecting your sources for different revenue streams? Because I think what tends to happen, especially now in COVID, folks take a lottery approach, right? They have a portfolio of different ideas and they just throw it all against the wall and whatever seems to stick, whatever they think is going to stick, you know, that's what they go with. And, they kind of, and, and it's kind of like a music industry approach. You got to make a hit. You got to make a hit but you have different sources and they seem to have been working for you. So I just kind of want you to walk us through your thought process. How did you select certain sources? What skills were needed? And some of your realistic expectations around that. Yes, that is such a good question. And I have so many thoughts that are just popping into my mind. So I'm gonna try to like answer this as, as um, organized as possible. So I would say number one, um, I read a book when I was in high school from a, a mentor may have given it to me and it was called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert oh, Kiyosaki. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. book changed the game for me. Ever since I learned about creating money, I think um, that really just birthed this wealth mentality. And so I was always, ever since that point, and maybe a little before, I was like, yeah. okay, I wanna have multiple streams of income, right? I want some passive income. I'm yeah. trying to make money while I'm asleep, That's make money while I'm on vacation. Yeah. And the thing about it is Daryl, I believe that we don't have to have a plan mapped out. I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I think right. it's about doing something. So at one point I remember buying, um, you know how, what is that store? Not Costco, but Sam's Club on the yeah. East Coast, yeah, Sam's yeah, Club, yeah, Sam's right? Club. It's like the yeah. Costco of the, the East Coast. Yep. So I used to go to, had my grandmother take me to Sam's Club and I would get candy in bulk and then mm -hmm. I would sell it in school. Cause I'm like, I know people are hungry. I know they want some snacks yeah. in school. So just selling it. So just always having little hustles and trying to see what sticks. Now, obviously selling candy. I mean, that's not my long-term goal but I was doing something yeah. to kind of get that, that feel. Um, so that was one thing I did after reading that book. And as I began to go to school and, and figure out what am I good at? I began to just try different things. So speaking was one thing that I started to do and I would, I think it's also important to listen to the feedback that you get from other people, oh, yeah. because oftentimes if you're anything like me, you know, some of us, we sleep on ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you got people telling you like, Daryl, you're so good. You're such a good listener. You know, you're so good at this. And that is a hint right there. It's like a message for us, like lean into that. Right. Someone's mm -hmm. telling you that for a reason. Yeah. So people would tell me, you know, you're really inspiring. I've had friends tell me that for a long time. And so for me, that was a clue. Okay. Your purpose might be tied to this, right? Yeah. So go out and try to see what you can do. So I created right. a blog, started the speaking, and then everything else sort of came organically. Right. I would also say I'm 
really self-taught when it comes to tech. Mm. And so I'm not like a technical, I don't be coding and all that stuff. I mean, hats down to the engineers, cause I'm not oh, there, yeah. but That's... I can build a website. I can create a podcast from scratch. And so mm -hmm. as I began to teach myself how to create a blog, a website, build my brand right from zero to, you know, big, large international following, I realized that I am my best testimonial. So now that I've done this for myself, now I teach other people how to do it, right? So I have a podcast and masterclass. I have branding courses. So mm -hmm. I think leaning into our strengths mm -hmm. is really what allows us to see where those revenue streams are. And of course, we want to make sure that our strength aligns with the market need and then your gold. Facts. No, love it. Absolutely. I appreciate the transparency on that. Um, and so to add on that, can you talk about um, some ways you've took time out to make some of these things work as far as studying how to build a website, studying certain tidbits on how to get started on a podcast. Because folks, especially in our community, we, we tend to think we need to have all of the answers figured out before um, we can do something or to be anointed that you are the chosen one. It is your mm -hmm. time. Go do this. So kind of talk about um, just a little bit, because we got many more questions to get to, even yeah. your, your, your upcoming book. You know, what, you know how, how did you set aside time to, to, to kind of study some of this? Yeah, that was a really good question. But what you said about being the chosen one, that was really deep too to me. Um, let me just sit with that for a second because, you know, I want to, I'm kind of going to go on a little detour, Daryl, but I'm going to come back to your question. And if I don't, just leave me and guide me, okay? You got it. So got what it. I want to say is there was a point in my life, especially like being raised in church where I, I think today people call it a, um, what do they call it? A choose me? Is that it? Like you want to be chosen, you want to be chosen. Pick Anointed? me, there we go, a pick okay. me. Okay. Like th that's, what, that's what the young people say on social media. Like, yeah, oh, you yeah, a pick yeah. me. Like you just want to be picked, right? Somebody choose me. I was a person that really needed validation. So although I may have heard people say, oh, you're good at this, you're good at that. I was like, I need 5,000 signs to tell me that this is, <laughs> that this is right. And then I'll go do it. And I feel like God, the universe is like, uh-uh. Like you, you have to really like, be with yourself, I think, and learn yes. yourself and like be in tune with you. Because I think at the end of the day, like we all know what we need to do. If we would just sit with ourselves, put the phone down, tell yes. your boo thing that you'll call her back and just yeah. like really be with you, you can, you'll, you'll see the gifts and you'll get the messages. But sometimes it's so crowded in our environment. It's so loud. You have yeah. so much going on that it's hard mm -hmm. to get the messages and the downloads. And so for me, I really had to take time to be by myself and realize that one, everybody doesn't have to like you. That's and number two, you don't need validation from everybody because right. everybody doesn't have the vision. Like mm. God didn't give them the vision. He gave it to you. And when I began to really just go with my gut, trust myself and lean into the intuition, that is when I began to really walk into my calling and my purpose and do things that some people around me didn't agree with, but it, it ended up being the right thing for me. So that was a quick detour. I just had to say that because yeah, what you yeah, said yeah. was like, oh, it sparked something. So the question, I forgot what the question was. Okay, man. so I'm going to repeat <laughs> it again. No, people needed to hear that. They needed to hear that testimonial. They needed to hear that you don't need to be validated. You know, mm -hmm. I think I think a lot of us, you know, and I'm going to go into a little detour myself. So mm -hmm. I struggle with validation as well. But as I got older and I started realizing that I belong, I kind of just told people, F you, I don't need your validation. If you wasn't with me from when I was shooting in the gym and building mm -hmm. blocks, I don't really have time for it. So, you know, I'm glad you kind of let folks know that you got to have, you got to be able to see the vision when no one else can see it. That is yes. very true. And when you see the vision and you put your mind towards something, you will start to uncover the answers as you see fit. So no, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. You kind of walked us through that. So now back to the question is, um, how did you go about making time? 
to do yes. your um to, to 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 um do some of your um revenue hustles. For sure. I, well, one I want to say we tend to make time for the things that we want to make time for. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in college, like if you were to ask anyone, I was like such a big nerd. Yeah. I partied a little bit, but like, I didn't really do, I didn't really do much. I was always studying, always like trying to read a book, always trying to figure something out. And I will be that person on the weekends. I mean, even now, sometimes my weekends are spent studying, teaching mm -hmm. myself how to do a website. I've been up sometimes five in the morning, yeah. breaking my website, almost on the verge of tears, ready to throw the laptop out the window. So I mean, putting in the work, okay? Like real, real talk, putting in the work. And you know, when people are binge watching shows, well, I binge watch shows now because I have a, a little bit more time. Of course. You know, later later on in the journey, you can you can kind of yeah, chill. But yeah, when people absolutely. are out partying, yeah. People out partying, you know, doing other things. We have a lot more time than we think many times. And so I just spent a lot of that time studying you know, looking at YouTube videos, investing in myself. That's another thing, investing in myself. Mm -hmm. So going to people who have done what I want to do and investing in them. Like I'm a huge, I, I, I'm a huge proponent of investing in oneself and also investing in the business of someone else. And I think that in my journey, what has helped me so much, I get a lot of love today, Daryl. And I want to say that I believe a lot of it is tied to the value that I provide my community, but also because I sincerely and genuinely sold into someone else's vision when I didn't really know where I was going in my own journey. So just because you don't know what you're doing, you can go help someone else, right? right. Help someone else that you believe in, buy their book, invest in their course, mm -hmm. go follow them and help them do something. Because I truly believe that what you help someone else do, God will allow someone else to help you do in your own journey. And so I think being a faithful servant to other people and being a servant leader has allowed me to gain skills, gain insight about the journey. And then now in my journey, I have people doing the same thing for me at this stage right. because it's like my time, so to speak. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you kind of piggybacked on, you know, what you make time for and everything. And, I, and, and me and my wife, we often, we often talk about how some of the younger people today um, there's a lot more information available on the internet mm -hmm. where they don't have to, they can actually figure out the answers more. And there's actually not a lot of room for partying and BSing if you're trying to get to where you need to be. You know, when I was 30, you know, I was in the midst of a career transition. I was trying, I was trying to kick it and party with my peeps in New York City, going to all the happy hours, rooftop bars. But it got to a point, it's like, you know what? If I'm trying to be a boss, I can't be out drinking three or four days a week. And then, you know, once I got married, it, it got to really cut a lot of things out if you want to make things work. So you got to really make things essential. So I'm glad you kind of point that out about the time aspect. No, that's what's up. Yes. Appreciate that. Thank you for sharing those gems. And for those listening out there, you know, half of the answer is making time to do the things you need to do to get to where you want to go. So the next question is, how did you go about building your brand as a culture influencer? That's what I'm going to call you, a culture influencer. Mm. You do many different things. Okay, I like that. I like culture influencer. Let's see. How did I go about building my brand? I think one of the first things I did was, honestly, it was getting in tune with myself. Like, I had a very pivotal moment when I went to grad school where mm -hmm. I, because, you know, if you, you probably know this from my book, Daryl, but I raised my younger siblings with yeah. the help of like my grandparents, people yeah. from church. Mm -hmm. um, my mom was in and out of jail sure. through since I was eight years old. And so, in raising them, I was always doing I was always living for someone else so to speak even though mm -hmm. I had little goals here and there and I was able to graduate from high school and stuff like that I was always living for someone else and so even my decision to go to college you know I wanted to make sure I was close enough to home where I could take care of my siblings and drive home on weekends right yep. and so for me when I went to grad school 
I had a full-time job. I was in school at the time. Yep. And this was the first time that it was really just me and me where I had mm -hmm. a chance to face myself yeah. and just be there. And so I think me being on the journey of self-discovery and realizing who am I really, not who who, who is the mask, right? Mm -hmm. And who am I putting on for the people because you know, me trying to be this people pleaser. I, I didn't know who I was. Right. And so I think before you start a brand or before you go out there, I think it's really important to get who you are because one of my greatest fears, I would see people, you know, those one hit wonders, right? I would see oh, yeah. people who were either one hit wonders or I would see people, cause I've always been as like pop culture. Yeah. I would see people who would be elevated to a place in their career, but it would be like premature mm -hmm. because they could, they didn't have the experience, yeah. the, the sweat equity, mm -hmm. the character to keep them in the door that they got into. And so yeah. my thing was, what am I doing when no one's in the gym, right? right? When it's just me, what am I doing when no one's in the audience yeah. and I'm on stage? What am I doing in my stage of foundational preparation? Yeah. And so getting to know myself, understanding who I am, what my purpose is outside of a relationship, mm -hmm. outside of being a mom to my siblings, outside right. of all of that, that then allowed me to figure out, okay, how do I want to show up in the world as a brand? So I think that it, for me was the start. It's like my my journey to self-discovery allowed me to figure out what type of brand I wanted to be. That's real, man. I think that's one of the most organic and authentic answers to brand building I've ever heard in my life. I've, I've read tons of brand books about how to build your brand, and it's always about hijacking somebody else's stuff. The mm. fact that you said you need to look inward to figure out what you're going to offer the world, that, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, and I'm a big proponent of figuring out what is it you want to do, you know, and I think as, you know, folks get older, you get more mature, you get more life experience, you start to understand what are your real true talents. Mm -hmm. So in figuring out yourself, um, did you take any like personality assessments or whatever to figure out your character strengths or whatever? I took all of them, <laughs> all of them, every single one. So what I did, so during that journey of self-discovery, because I really was so not in tune with myself, Dara, I literally on paper, I remember in my journal getting down to the basics, like what does, and I'm speaking to myself in third person, not to be like that, yeah, yeah. that person, but you get it. So I'm like, what does Terry, what color does she like? Like outside of influence from other people, um, what does she like to eat? What are her boundaries? What are her values? Because I really did not know me because I was so accustomed to being this chameleon and adapting, mm -hmm. you know, my feelings to what everyone else around me wanted to yep. do. So I think that was really key for me, but I took all the personality tests. Myers-Briggs, mm -hmm. love that. Um, Strengths Finders, yep. read that book and did that one. My mentor gave me, I think there's another one called The Berkman, I believe. Mm -hmm. Took that one, read all kinds of books about that. I read about careers that were um, best or associated with the personality type mm -hmm. that I had. So all of that really helped me to develop language for who I really am. Like this unique, quirky, yeah. weird ass individual that I am. Like it gave me language for that. Yeah, 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 and so yeah. now having that language and understanding, okay, you're an introverted extrovert. You can turn on the extrovert, but I really love to be in solitude. Yeah. That's where I get my energy. And knowing that I'm not weird because I don't want to go out all the time. Or I don't want to, like, I like to be alone. Um, that was really helpful for me. Nice. So yes, awesome. personality test. <laughs> awesome. So people out there, just to recap. So to build your brand, number one, um, look inward in yourself, figure out what is it you really want to do, what are you good at, and number two, if you need more help to drill down on it, take personality tests. I definitely did one, you know, to continue to assess where I am in the world as far as the, how to pursue my next um, entrepreneurial endeavors, which is this video podcast. So no, I highly recommend personality tests, and thanks for sh sharing, Terry, some of your insights in reference to that.
Of course. All right. So now, um, how did you get some of your speaking opportunities? Because we got folks out there, you know, some were rape survivors, some overcame mm -hmm. a lot of family issues, some started from the bottom and they are in the are they in their all-stars now and people want to be able to share their journey and share their insights and share their story but they come to find out that it's not that easy to get on that grand stage next to les brown and tony robbins so kind of share yeah. you know how did you you know how did you get some of your opportunities yes i definitely want to share that but first i do want to say that I, when I first started, I started in church as a teenager and I was probably one of the worst speakers you ever did see. It was so bad. I would like be on the verge of tears every time I spoke. I had a frog in my throat. I mean, it was very bad. And so for me, failing forward was so key. Daryl, you've seen me speak at conferences yep. and people give me a lot of compliments today, which I'm so grateful for. But let me tell you where it started. It was bad, bad when it started, okay? <laughs> and the way that yeah. I got better and the way that I was able to get more speaking engagements was being focused on the mission and the why like it's not it's never been about the money to me right. although i do get paid to speak now but for me i did it for free so i would go there's an, um, an organization called junior achievements mm -hmm. and junior achievement allows you to go into the school and speak about like stem and different subjects with students and so i did that and i realized that as adorable as the little kid uh, what were they like first graders as, as, yeah. as adorable as they are that wasn't my niche that wasn't my my audience right, right. there i needed an older audience right yeah. so i had a chance to take on experiences to understand what I liked and what I did not like and what I wanted when it came to speaking. So for me, speaking at Big Brothers Big Sisters, volunteering, doing it for free. Mm. And here's the key right here. Get ready for this, y'all. Do right. it for free and always have a survey so that you can get honest feedback. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people I started out with where they would get feedback and I get it. Like our ego, you know, sometimes it gets in the way, mm -hmm. they would be crushed and they wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> right. And I'm like, you gotta learn how to push past that. Like the feedback, mm -hmm. even to this day, when I get feedback from speeches, I still dig into it. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this is all great. The beauty, the, the great comments. Okay, wonderful, I love it. What can I do to get better? And I'm right. always trying to figure out how can I get better? And so after I did some free speaking for a bit, mm -hmm. I then started working with this company called Cool Speak. And I worked with them for a few mm -hmm. years. They are a youth engagement company and they managed me as a speaker and they taught me so much. I went to all kinds of professional development conferences. Yeah. There is a book called transformational speaking by mm. gail i believe her name is gail larson if i'm not mistaken mm. and that was a really good book for me as well because it talked about connecting with your audience on a deep level and yep. not just like oh motivational speaker but like transformational how do you tell stories in a compelling way so i think before you you know get on those big stages you want to develop your story you want to yep. develop you know your, your your message and also gain more confidence so that was what i did Nice, man. And, and that's good to hear that, you know, everything is not always about the almighty dollar. Sometimes we all have to start at at home at home plate trying to get the first base. And sometimes that may mean that may mean you need to you need to speak for free, get some sweat equity out there, get some feedback, make adjustments and then evolve as you start to develop yourself. So I appreciate you sharing that and being transparent as well, because I don't want folks out here thinking they're going to be the next Tony Robbins or the next Terry Lomax tomorrow. It just ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? And yes, there are folks that will be the next Terry Lomax. You, de you better believe that. All right. So now, um, with all of the awesome things you've been doing, I think this next question is a subject that is that's, that's neglected, kind of, because mm -hmm. you know we're so caught up in you know pumping out things, getting to the next level, evolving, being a part of the elite, and you're constantly on a go, go, go. 
So how do you manage your work-life balance with your family, career, and business? And are there any helpful tips you can provide? Mm, that's a really good question. So I would say the way that I look at it is, well, let me just say this first. First, I don't have a like routine or like a schedule that I stick to. I'm not that person that's, I wake up every morning at this time and I meditate and I look at the moon or the stars <laughs> or the sun. And I, I, that is not me. Like I am a hot, I feel like I'm a hot mess a lot of the time, sure, sure. but I also get a lot done. And so I, I kind of live my, my life in sprints where I'm like, okay, if I'm working on the book launch, I'm dedicating this amount of time for that. And I'm going to sprint, I'm going to grind out. And then there's a time where that's done. And then I can, you know, kind of chill and sleep in and be lazy because I love to you know, just mm -hmm. be lazy and, and lounge around and all that. So I think understanding what are you optimizing for at this season in your life is really yeah. important. And then I think it's all about harmony instead of balance, right? Because right. everything isn't equal. And so I think harmonizing life together, I would say the tip there is to put things on the calendar. So right. even like call family, I have you know, tasks and Asana, which is where I use to manage my life and yeah. podcasts and everything else. I have tasks to say, check on, I have seven siblings, check on this sibling, check on that sibling. And I know it might sound like, girl, why do you put that in, this, in a task management tool? Because guess what? In my life, it's so busy. It's easy right. to forget things. And if it's not on the calendar, if it's not on my task list, it often doesn't get done. Right. And so that for me helps remind me to like stay on top of these things that are important to me because everything that's important, it's typically on my calendar. Right. So I would say putting things on the calendar, prioritizing and realizing that you don't have to do everything at one time, like understand yep. and get clear on what am I optimizing for? Give your all to that thing so you can do that well. Yep. And then give yourself some time to take a break and chill and, you know, party, do whatever you want to do. No, that's what's up. I mean, I, I definitely appreciate the contrarian um, approach to um, balancing your work-life balance because all of the books out there tell you you need to, you know, you know journal your schedule. Mark down this time, wake up and do this. And you basically just say you, you took an agile approach, sprints. Yeah. You just do things in different clusters. And, you know, I kind of operate the same way because I've struggled journaling my life as far as task management and stuff. It, it like, makes me cringe. But the sprint aspect, it does work. And um, no, nah, so I appreciate you sharing those, those, those tips with us. Of course. Cool. So now we're going to get to the fun part that folks been waiting for. And it is your book. You recently launched a book back in late July, early August, talking about your life. And pretty much the crux of the book is how she, you know, emerged from homeless shelter to Silicon Valley. So now tell us about your book and what is it about and the outcomes that you want the readers to get from reading it? Yes. So I had to pull up the book. So the book is how to glow up as you grow up, your go-to right. guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. And you can get the book at glowupbook.com. And this book is all about, I mean, it's been a long time coming, Daryl. Like I wanted to write a book for so long and I actually wrote my first book when I was one book, should I say, because I wrote many books that were just trash, oh, but I wrote one book yeah. when I was 18 mm. and I thought that was going to be the one. I was like, oh, Auntie Oprah's going to find me and <laughs> I'm going to be set for life. Like I'm going to sit back and I'm going to be set for life. And the book, I went to a conference and the book was basically trash. So this book here has been really a compilation of blog posts that I've posted on my blog, that Mocha Girls Pit Stop that I have for about mm. seven years. Um, it's been a compilation of journal entries and just experiences that I've had over the past, I mean, I guess you would say 30 years over the past course of my life, right? And so it's all about this journey of really starting from the bottom and then yeah. getting to a place that I should not have gotten to based on statistics, right? Because based on where I come from, 
what I look like, right? Um, what I've been through, what happened to me. Statistics said I should have been an alcoholic or right. a drug addict or a teen mom or in prison. And those are things that I was able to um, defy. And so I really just want to show people a path. It's not just like, oh, your ordinary self-help book. It really shows people how they too can overcome. And I, I break down, um, you know, making lemonade, right? We often hear when life gives you lemons, yeah. make lemonade, right? And so what I did in the book was I talked about what does it actually mean to make lemonade? Cause I feel like that's the part that's missing. People yeah. say that saying, and it's cute, but it's like, okay, well, my dad just died. What, how am I making lemonade? Because I know you're not talking about like some real, like, a real drink, right? Like, <laughs> got how, <the> glass. <laughs> uh, like how am I making lemonade? And so I broke it down step by step on like, this is how you actually make lemonade when it comes to adversity. Yeah. So yes, this is my baby. <laughs> no, nah, nah, this is a great book. And I would even put it up there. Um, I read Chris Gardner's book many years back in like 2007, when I was going through a tough time as a 27 year old in New York when the Pursuit of Happiness movie came out and, and, and with his background and all of the strife and stress he went through and how his life turned out at the end, I will put your book in that category as far as one of the top wow. rags to riches stories that I've ever read. And I know there's hundreds and thousands and millions of books out there, but from my perspective and speaking as a black person and, and some of the things we have to go through, I put your book up there with that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you. I, when I read it, I was like, yo, first thing that came to my mind is Chris Gardner, Pursuit of Happiness. I said, that book was what pushed me through to deal with my insecurities as a 27-year-old living in New York, trying to you know, compete with others that I had no business competing with. And I was a little down. And that book got me out of my rut and it pushed me and gave me hope. So your, your book is that. Wow. You're going to make me cry upon this interview, but I appreciate that. That is a high compliment. That means so much to me because this really is, it's really my life's work at this point, my journey. So thank you for that, Daryl. Yeah. And so to continue along with the um, theme of your book, you talk about therapy a lot and you also talk about it in your social media channels. I am a very strong advocate component of therapy now. Yes. A few years back, you know, my wife had to drag me to therapy. Yes, she did. And, um, you know, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go, but you know what? Three years later, I love it. It has helped me tremendously and I continue to go every month and talk to my therapist. So, you know, I just want you to talk about the importance of how therapy is for your overall well-being. Yes. I just want to say shout out to your wife. And honestly, it makes me so happy to see black people, but especially black men, when they say they're going to therapy, it just makes me so happy because you know, we go through so much as black people that mm -hmm. we need something, okay? Yeah. Because this world, I mean, don't even get me started on the current events that's, that's, that are going on right now, right. but I mean, it's just so much. Um, I would say I grew up in a household and just in a community like many of us where therapy, that's for crazy people. Mm, therapy, that's yes. for white people, girl. That's what you see on Lifetime, girl. That's for rich white <laughs> yeah. people. That's what, that's what I heard. And I never thought, thought it was something for me. And I honestly didn't even explore therapy until I was in grad school in my 20s and for me although that was when I first went to therapy there were therapeutic I want to say activities that I participated in prior to that so for me growing up and the you know crazy abusive household I was in yeah. uh, journaling was my therapy yeah. music was my therapy um, certain you know entertainment and tv shows that was part of therapy for me even playing with like barbie dolls because i had a chance to escape and kind of live into in this different world yeah, and so for yeah. me when i was in grad school and i was faced with myself like i told you i was like i had the mirror and it was up to me and it was like okay who are you what are we doing so right. i did start therapy then and the thing about it is the therapist the first two therapists i had they weren't really good fits for me um this is not to say 
let me say, so this is not to say that a black person cannot have a good white therapist, but my two first therapists were white women. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just, I got to a place where I was like, I really want to meet with someone that looks like me right. and knows my experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, I just felt like a different, like, how am I going to go into therapy and talk about the nuance of walking into the workforce and experiencing microaggressions right. as a black woman when I change my hair and people don't know who I am or they want to touch my hair? It's like, it's just certain things like uh-huh. that culturally. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need someone that identifies with me. And so those two experiences, they were okay. And it was a it was an introduction to therapy for me, yeah. but I continued to search. And I think that therapy is really like a relationship, right? You don't just go to your first relationship and if you and your boo thing don't work out, then you're like, okay, I'm done with relationships for life. Right, no, right, you right, try right. again, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, therapy is about finding a good fit and I'm persistent as hell. So I'll say, try until you get a good fit, until you find someone that you click with. I've done virtual therapy. Um, I've also done coaching, which has been so mm-hmm. great. And so for me, I think therapy is really cool. And I will say, Daryl, one thing that's interesting, when I moved to the Bay, I had my first black therapist and we clicked, she was so great. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really cool experience to have someone that understood me and got me. Yep. And I heard someone say this one time, they were like, oh, I'll be going to therapy for the rest of my life. And part of me, my mom was like, why the hell would you go to therapy for life? Like, aren't you supposed to go and be healed and like, you're good? And then <laughs> yeah. that's what I thought, I didn't know. Mm. And so now I'm at a place in life where I can definitely see myself with either a therapist or a coach. My coach is really awesome too. Mm-hmm. I could see myself doing that for a lifetime. And the reason being is because we evolve. We go through different stages and phases in life and different things come up. You know what I mean? So it's like having that support and, you know, I can call my girlfriends and certain family members for support sure. as well, but it, it's so great to go to therapy and clear myself of all the things that I'm going through and get support that I need so that when I interact with my girlfriends and family, yeah. I can show up fully and not have mm-hmm. to burden them with all my shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even though we still talk about it, I get so much clarity in therapy yep. that I don't need to do that. We can talk about other things. We can be more joyful in our, in our interactions. You know what I mean? With my friends. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's like the 80-20 rule, man. You're going to get 80% from your friends, your husband, your family, and the other 20% you got to get for yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, so, no, and I'm glad you kind of shared that transparency about the process of therapy and picking a therapist, because it's not about will of fortune or the price is right, and you spin the wheel and whatever one lands, you just go, no, it's a, it's a, it's a courting process like any other yes. relationship. You know, what type of friends you want? Who do you want to, you know, have a... Um, a marriage with what type of you know mate you want to have and i think you shared something that a lot of people don't want to say but the fact that you need to get someone that understands your cultural experiences and your identity you know because even me before therapy i had this business transaction approach because that's how the world is set up for you oh just pick the best person available my wife would have to be like no you need to get someone that understand your problems that you're going through in the world exactly. that can connect to you that's been there and done that and, mm-hmm. you know, and she dragged me to therapy and, you know, I go see a guy named Dr. Jones. I call him the John Wooden of therapists out in the Bay in Oakland. Um, and um, he's been fantastic. He's helped me to unlock a lot of things, to leave things that were in the past, solely in the past, so I can really be in the present, you know, kind of like what you mentioned. So I really appreciate you sharing, you know, the therapy aspect. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, Daryl. Can I add one more thing to that? Because this was so game-changing for me. So when I started going to therapy with my Black therapist in Oakland, I realized when I was looking back that we met for a whole year 
and I talked about a lot of the surface level stuff. Like I was like, oh, work this, da da da. Mm -hmm. It took me a whole year, Daryl, to really open up and talk about the shit that made me like right. cry. Like the mm -hmm. shit that was like deep down, mm -hmm. dark stuff that you don't really want to tell anyone. Some stuff I haven't uttered before. And so what I would say also is once you get comfortable with your therapist, talk about the real stuff because you're doing yeah. yourself a disservice you just talk about like oh life is good this week oh yeah you know i i chip my toenail or my nail and it's like okay let's let's talk about the stuff that's really going to help you evolve as a person because we're here on this earth to learn so you might as well do what you can to facilitate your growth journey right so of course when you're ready but i do want to put that out there no awesome no absolutely and you have to get you have to let your therapist know the troubling things you're going through because that's how you're going to break through that's how you're going to really release yourself. You know, mm -hmm. I had a lot of things I had to let go that helped that caused me to understand some of the destructive behaviors that I was doing. And um, it really helped a lot. And so no, I totally agree with you 110%. And you know, thank you for sharing that and being so open and sharing some of your um, experiences with your therapist. Of course. Cool. So um, now you know, in this time of COVID, especially folks are feeling uneasy, unrest, uncertain, they don't know what the future is going to hold or whatever. You know, recently we had a orange sky and 10 o'clock in the morning, folks thought the world was ending or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what was some of your tips and strategies that you can share to help others maintain stability and peace within themselves during a challenging time such as this one with a lot of uncertainty and unrest and, you know, um, soon to be bad economic type environment? Yeah, I'm going to say help us maintain because I'm not the expert when it comes to this, but I'm doing my best as well because it's been rough. Oh my goodness, 2020 is definitely going to go down in the books and I think it'll be a year that we all remember for sure. Just so much has happened. I would say for me, I think it's really important to hold space for ourselves just to feel the emotions that we have and not beat ourselves up. Like it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be overwhelmed. Yep. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to cry, you know, and that's for men and women. And yep. so I think just understanding that it's okay to be human, you know, like people often say, people often see me and I have friends and people on social media like, oh, you're so strong. And I think that's sweet but I'm weak sometimes too. And I love to go on social media and share my moments of like rejection and failure and things like that, because I, it seems as though I'm this pillar of strength for some people. So I want right. to let them know, yeah, the strong person, the person that you think is so strong, I be crying, right. I be going through it. You know, I be like wanting to give up too, even to this day, you know what I mean? So I think for me, holding space to feel the emotions. I know when George Floyd was murdered and then we mm. learned about Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, that was so, I t I'm sure many of us can experience, have experienced this, but it was so, it just weighed so heavy on my heart. I was so depressed, so low, and it was just, um, it was a really tough time. So for me, I let myself sit in that. I didn't rush myself out of it and say, oh, you got to do this and do that. I just let myself sit and be with it. I think expressing those emotions. So journaling is really key for me. Mm. And then I typically, after I journal and like process my emotions, be as a creative, I figure I try to figure out how can I be creative. So my co-host and I on our podcast, we did an episode about it. And we sort of did a few episodes about different topics that just support black people. Where yeah. we're just like, we want to show love to our community. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really key. I would also say, hmm, what else? I'll give one more tip. I think being honest with the people around you about what you need during that time too. Yeah. I think that's really important. So, and sometimes we don't know what we need, but I think doing the best you can, um, it's really important. So my job has been super supportive throughout this time. And there have been times where 
some people may not have this ability, but you know, we've been able to message our managers. Like I need yep. a few minutes today. I don't want to be on video today. Like we just heard about another black person, a person who looks like me murdered out in the street, like a dog and everyone's on video. And the vibe is different because y'all don't have this burden. I'm not mm-hmm. interested in being on video with y'all right. today. Yeah. And so letting that be known, saving what you need. Nah, fan- no, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, this is needed to be told because, you know, a lot of us who wear a lot of different hats, who wear a lot of different masks to put on, a, to put up a front to show people that we're okay. And at times it's, we need to learn that it's okay to not be okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate you sharing what we can do, especially during these challenging times like this. I mean, the journaling aspect, yo, I've been struggling to do it actually, but really? I, I just bought the artist way, a Kindle book about um the the it's a 12 week exercise on getting you to journal about different things she gives you prompts i haven't started it yet because okay. i just started a new addiction with chess <laughs> oh okay and, I, and okay. I just i just i just kind of quickly taught myself how to play chess and i've been Dope. playing online games every day for like an hour in between work and studying and and and, and family time and stuff like that yeah. and i'm so addicted to chess oh your brain is just growing right now like you that that's yeah. so good i've always heard that smart people play chess so i'm digging you that can, you up. can so being that so real quick not to get off a of cyborg because it's not about the yeah. chess webinar yeah if you've made different <laughs> strategy moves like you move from pen you move from philly to san francisco mm-hmm. and you got a sauna and you did the podcast if you understand different moves and not letting people know about your moves that's the essence of chess. You have to study the yeah. other person's move to know how do you move next. That's pretty much mm. it. And you can you can pick up the board pieces and the concepts very quickly. Yeah, I might have to do that. Yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, what I do to kind of, you know, stimulate my mind and keep myself going. Right now, I should be journaling like yeah. you, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who've been impacted by job losses due to COVID and is, and is exploring some entrepreneurial options, what advice do you have for those wanting to pursue that as an option today? Mm. You know, I would say, mm, that's a really good one. I would say the first thing is probably to get clear on, this may sound silly, but get clear on where you are and where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I think this time that we're in, yes, it's difficult for a lot of people. And it also presents an opportunity for us to shake up the status quo, right? So if you've been in a job where you're just like, Y'all not feeling this. Okay, well, what are you really passionate about? What's that thing? Because we, I think many of us have that thing that we think about all the time. I know there were so many passions and side projects and things I thought about when I was at my day jobs um, in the past where I was just like, damn, I wish I didn't have to be here and I could really be doing this thing. Or what's that idea that you keep thinking about when you wake up in the morning or you keep thinking about when you go to sleep at night? Think about what really excites you because if you can try to pursue that now, I think that would be ideal. I unbelievably, Daryl, I had one of my most lucrative months in my business. Mm. I think it was in April during the mid in the midst of the pandemic when it was just like, we don't know what's happening. We were still trying to figure it out. That was one of the most lucrative months in my business and it blew me away. And I also want to point out 99% of the people that purchased from me were people that look like me. Right. And so for me, it was just so amazing to see that, okay, during every great depression, right? Economic downturn, not everyone's struggling. There are some people that are actually doing very well. There are yep. some businesses, we've seen people in the, in the media, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing very well. So I think in, the, in those cases, figuring out what you wanna do, and again, going to people who have done what you want to do and figuring out how you can tap into their knowledge and insight because yep. it is possible to make money online. It is possible yes. to leverage your transferable skills yep. and monetize that. People are doing it today. I literally, but right before our call, I got an email about a sale that I made 
when I was out and about doing stuff today. So like right. people are doing it. I think it's all about going to the right people who can teach you how to do that. I would say also um, just getting our mind right. I think mindset is so key. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you wake up with a negative mind, it's really going to be challenging to have a positive day, right? Yep. And so I think if we tap into this world of unlimited possibilities and realize that really the possibilities are endless, like if you wake up in the morning and you're saying that you can't, you won't, and it just won't happen, then that's probably yep. what's going to happen for you. Yep. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me, Daryl. When my family, and I know life is pretty good right now, but when yep. my family of seven was living in a one-bedroom shelter, in Chester, Pennsylvania, right. and life was so bad. Like, I mean, my bank account was a negative on a regular. Like I had four, yeah, like, you know, two digits in my bank account on a regular. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the time I was in there, even though it was challenging, I literally have journal entries in my little closet that I wrote in during that time where I talked about, I'm going to be a best-selling author. Yep. I didn't know how the hell it was going to happen. I'm going yep. to be wealthy. Yep. I'm going to have multiple streams of income. Signed my journal entries, future businesswoman. So I think holding the vision that you have for yourself and not letting that go is so important, even when your surroundings look as if it's not possible. We have to believe and take some type of action. No, that's right. That's what's up. And um, belief is very important. And, um, you know, and I'm glad to see folks like you putting yourself out there because when I was growing up, there was a saying that I always say, you can't be what you can't see. Um, but now that I'm able to see folks like you and a lot of other folks that look like me doing things, there is a possibility that these things can happen. It's not always about hitting the home run and being the star and, be, and, and being up there and, and, speaking, and speaking at the White House Garden. You can have many different wins without doing all of that. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that folks need to get their mind right and um, you know just go for it. And you'll figure out the answers as it comes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So um, what are the entrepreneurial projects that we should be on the lookout for or that you're currently doing now? I know you mentioned online that you have a podcasting class that teaches folks how to get into podcasting. So can you elaborate on that, share details on that? Of course, of course. So if you head on over to podcastwithterry.com and my name is T-E-R-R-I. So podcastwithterry.com, you can register for my free podcasting masterclass. And basically what I've done, Daryl, is I've taken all the lessons. I love to teach. So I've taken like all the lessons that I've learned, all the shortcuts, and I put that into a masterclass for folks where they can tune in and literally learn how to start a podcast from start to finish. And it's also like, there's a little motivational mix in there because that's just my style. So I add that in there. And to date, I've helped um, a lot of other people start their podcasts. And one of my students interviewed me last night on his podcast and I've interviewed um, with a few of my other students, but being able to help someone bring something that's in their mind that they can't really see quite right. yet, bring that to fruition has been such a pleasure. So definitely, if you are thinking about starting a podcast, you definitely want to check that out. It'll literally give you everything you need to know. And we'll talk about combating imposter syndrome yep. and overcoming fear as well. Awesome. All right. So all your podcasters out there, you have no more excuses. There's resources out there. There's people that look at look like you that's creating this and look like me and you. Go check out her podcast, man. It's um, a very affordable course. She's even give free lessons if you sign up for her email list. So I'm on her email list just to check it out. So and, <laughs> and I'm validating and I'm vouching for her. Um, okay. So yeah, our last thing, just to kind of wrap it up, is um, how can folks find you on social media? Tell us your Insta, your Facebook page, your Twitter handle, your website address, and again, where folks can buy your book. Yes, absolutely. So on social media, I am at Terry Lomax. That's T E. 
R-R-I-L-O-M-A-X, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, uh, Facebook. And then my website is terrylomax.com. That's where you can learn more about all of my other freebies and courses. And then to purchase my book, you can head on over to glowupbook.com. Awesome, Terry. Well, it's been a pleasure, you know, interviewing and talking with you today and learning about your dynamic life and your path and where you came from. You know, I definitely feel inspired and you gave me a ton of energy to carry me into the weekend. Um, I appreciate that. Um, this wraps up episode three of the Blur Presents Founder Story hosted by myself, Daryl Austin. And until next time, peace out. <laughs>